Hey everybody, it's LaShonda from Labors of Love, and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast. So today in the studio with me, I have a very special guest, Jonathan Isaiah Thomas. He is a grad student, a writer, an all-around creator, and he just happens to be my nephew. Uh, so hi, John. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for, for having me. Of course. So we are just going to jump in. So John, customary to every guest that I have on the podcast, I want to start by asking you, what's your labor of love? So my labor of love is is writing. Uh, as a grad student, I spend a lot of time you know, doing academic writing, but I also uh do a lot of creative writing. So I would probably say uh academic writing is something that I enjoy. Uh creative li- creative writing is something that I I love and that is my 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 labor of love. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about how writing and I would just say creating. How did creating become a labor of love and passion for you? Uh Writing became a, a, I guess, a passion of mine when I was in my, my senior year of high school. So I, I decided to do a, a shoe drive um, my senior year. I just wanted to do something big for my senior year. In previous years, I did a, a fundraiser called the 30 Hour Famine, raising money for uh, kids that were um, in in uh, countries in Africa because they didn't, you know, have any food, just, you know, raising money, going around asking people for, you know, different sums of money to, for this particular organization. And then my senior year, I wanted to do something big, um, which was doing the shoe drive. And that whole process of me doing the shoe drive, I uh, was listening to spoken words. And uh, one night I decided to uh, I was I was listening to one and I just thought to myself, you know what, let me let me try and actually write one of these. So I sat down. Um, it was like maybe like two in the morning and I, I wrote this spoken word about my shoe drive and uh, I wrote like 600 words in an hour and a half. And like I put uh, I let uh all of these feelings that I had about my shoe drive and I let them out and it came out into this like amazing like poem about my, my shoe drive. And I sent it to my, my youth pastor and he like the next day said like, Oh, this is amazing. You got to continue on doing this. I can see like the, 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 I can see you in it and I can see, you know, God in it as well. Uh, Come on, continue on with this. So that's where kind of like, where where writing started for me and then from from that point on i kept on writing uh spoken words doing different performances and then later on i kind of saw how poetry and spoken words were similar to rap music so and i love like hip-hop and rap so i decided to start making like rap songs and uh from there uh during my freshman year of college i uh, uh, was trying to do a YouTube channel and like one night I was getting very frustrated because I couldn't like get the the uh, video from like my camera to my laptop and uh, uh, like I was just I wanted to throw my laptop I wanted to <laughs> uh, just I was just like super frustrated and then like that night um, like all of my computer stuff and like other stuff was on my bed so I decided to sleep on the floor and I had like all of these character ideas and like poem ideas and story ideas in my head. So I was like, ah, oh, 
let me actually instead of just trying to do this this YouTube channel, let me create these stories uh, and these characters in my head and let me just actually start writing stories. Um, so that's how I started to get into like fiction writing. Um, so my, my, my writings are very, I guess, layered and it, it become like it became a, a passion of mine, something that I, I wanted to, you know, continue to do and, and, and show the world, you know, what I can do. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the story <clears throat> and I elements of the story I did not know. Um, some I did. I think one thing that stuck out to me or stood out to me when you were talking mm -hmm. is you had this moment where you were like, let let me just try. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was a level of um, courage that was needed in order for you to try. But I think one element that sometimes people don't realize is super important is you mustered the courage to try and then you shared it with someone. Yes. What do you think your writing trajectory would have been if your youth pastor would have got back to you and said, man, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like, God, what are you doing? Stick to, you know. I probably, I don't know. I probably would have stopped, I think. Because, yeah. like, a so crazy thing with, like, my youth pastor. So he was the one that encouraged me to keep on going uh, with my with my spoken words. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I... I uh, had a meeting with him and I was like, I think I want to do this rapping thing too. And he was like, JT, I think you should, uh, you should do that. You should, you should try and keep on, you know, try and do that. So like encouragement, uh, for me from him helped me, uh, move forward and, uh, believe in myself. Uh, even though sometimes I, I didn't, you know, believe in myself. So having him and his support and his encouragement really helped me move forward with my, my creative uh, ambitions. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that sometimes we take for granted um, when we don't realize how influential other people's mm -hmm. responses to our passions are. Yes. So some people who are passionate about things and have moved forward in those passions and their ambitions can probably look back to one or two or a few people that they shared their gift with and that person was in some way encouraging. And yes. encouraging doesn't necessarily have to mean I get totally what you're doing yeah, or I yeah. like it, <laughs> right? But it is, I am encouraging you to continue to pursue. And with that type of encouragement, people go on to, to to produce. Likewise, I encourage people who, you know, I'm asking my guests, what's your labor of love? But I encourage every person who listens to my podcast. Can you answer that question for yourself? What is your labor of love? And a lot of people I've talked about, it's like, I don't even know what that would be, yeah. right? Yeah. I think they're still in there. But if you go back, sometimes we've shared our labors of love or what we would hope to become our labors of love. And it doesn't necessarily mean someone has to shoot it down. Oh, that's stupid. Why would you do that? It doesn't mean they have to kill it in that way. The sheer absence of encouragement can also kill a dream mm -hmm. because yeah. sometimes what we're looking for is someone to just say, I support you. 
you know, what I can appreciate about your youth pastor is while he supported your spoken word and your writing and your rap, he supported you. Yes. Yeah. He supported yes. Jonathan. Yes. And in supporting and encouraging you, the gifts that were, that were within could flow, mm-hmm. right? Whatever direction they took. And so I think this is a good message for both people, people who have a passion within them. Um, if you are sharing, man, know your tribe, right? Yes. Some people are just not encouragers. Yes, no. <laughs> They've not. never received it. They never had it. You know, we say haters like, oh, they're a hater. No, I literally mean, though, if they've only been hated on, that's all, what's in them is all that can come out of them. <laughs> and so who are the encouraging people in your life? But it's also, I think, a good message for those of us who people come to us. Just because you don't understand or like or prefer the things that are people people are doing, can you encourage them? Can you encourage their growth? Right? Maybe yes. spoken word wasn't it, quote unquote, it for you, but it led you to a door that opened that opened another door and yes. another door. Yes. And we don't have to figure out the final door. We just have to encourage a person to walk through a door <laughs> and say, when you get there, I'll be there with you. So that really stood out. Um, in your story to me. And I love that you are creating. Yeah, yeah. And no. that you continue to create. And while that is super duper important, when what made me ask you to be a guest, which, you know, in transparency was last night, right? <laughs> yeah. um, we were talking and it was one of those things as you were talking. I was like, man, John would make a great guest on the podcast. And so I want to share a little bit about what what I know of John and how how I see him and why I want him to be on the podcast to hopefully speak some truth in life to the listeners. So when I started hanging around the family, um, this was John right around your senior year. It may have been a little before because I remember the shoe drive. Yeah, um, I don't know. I can't remember. It could have been. <laughs> it could have been junior. It could have been junior year. Because I, th- I think I was still dating my ex at that time. I, I remember that. Okay, so we'll go back to junior year. All of those things that make us remember, right? So, but just kind of, you know, the second half of uh, high school. Mm-hmm. And I was increasingly hanging around the family. So you have a younger brother. Yep. Um, and so I would be around you, your younger brother, your grandmother, your mom, and your uncle, who I was dating at yeah. the time. And... I specifically remember because your grandmother lived in her old house Mm -hmm. and we were over in the basement watching basketball. And so I was sitting on the couch and you were sitting near the TV. Mm -hmm. And at one point you said to Jay, your uncle, Jay, what's the score of the game? And I remember thinking like, why is he asking him the score of the game? He's sitting right there, you know? But I didn't think anything of it. You and your your mom and your brother left. And I remember saying to Jay, Jay, does Jonathan have a hard time seeing? And Jay was like, Jonathan is blind. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean? And he's like, yeah, Jonathan, you know, Jonathan is legally blind. And I was like, shut up. What do you like? Stop. What do you wait? And I couldn't process it. And it was kind of in that moment that I was able to start examining my own biases, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my own prejudices, my own ignorance. So what I knew was that Jonathan was this super cool and outgoing, talkative, 
high school student who wrestled for many years, who was, you know, active in the community, who did all of these things. How could he be blind? Well, the reality is nothing I just said is contraindicated with blindness. Like there's nothing you can't do because you have an inability to see. And so I always will say, like, I thank Jonathan for your sheer presence in my life challenging me when it comes to disability in general. And a couple of more incidents that have been life changing for me is when we traveled, we traveled to um, Texas as a whole family. So this was going on maybe four or so years ago because my twins were baby babies, so like eight months. And we're all traveling and it's hectic traveling with three kids, two of them baby twins. You got Jonathan, just this whole thing. And we get to a point where... Um, I think it was that you, they, your mom was trying to get them to advance you to the, to go through the line, whatever it was. They wanted to make you sit in a wheelchair. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And there was this whole thing of like, I don't need a wheelchair. Yeah. And your grandma being like, "Well, just take the wheelchair." <laughs> you know? Why won't you just take the wheelchair? No, and just to... thinking like, how many times we create disabilities for people that we perceive yeah. to have a disability? You don't have a problem walking. Right. And so it's just all of these things. And then the many deep conversations we've been able to have that has helped challenge me and show me where my biases and prejudice and ignorances are, but how you can still hold that in love and just teach me to respect and love people in a whole different way. So when I thought about you as a person and as we were talking, um, I was like, man, John would be a great person to have on the podcast. So with all of that, Can you talk a little bit about your life um, living with the disability that you have, but how your disability has not disabled you from living the kind of quality life that you want? Yeah, so it's a interesting uh, subject to talk about. So I was I was diagnosed uh, with Stargardt's disease when I was eight years old, which Stargardt's, it uh, affects my ability to see straight, but it keeps my uh, peripheral vision intact. Uh, so at, at a very young age, I learned that I was different, but I really didn't understand what was going on just because I was so young. And kind of later on through like middle school and high school, you know, I really realized how different I was and how I wanted to be like everybody everybody else mm-hmm. and I wanted to fit in and I hated being blind. I hated using magnifiers and enlarged textbooks and uh, CCTV, like a big monitor to enlarge stuff in the classroom because it just made me look different and I didn't like that. So I spent a lot of time trying to to fit in, trying to not be blind. So like so that experience that you talked talked about when uh, uh, over my grandma's house, uh, you know, uh, me watching the basketball game, uh, that was just something that I always did, and you know, like asking you know Jay or my brother or my mom what the score was. That was just you know nothing new. When I was going out, you know, in school, in different places, I didn't use a cane. I didn't use anything that to identify that I was blind because I never wanted that. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time like hating myself, 
um, you know, wishing that I wasn't blind, you know, praying, praying to God that there was, you know, some sort of cure that would come along to help me uh, see better or that like miraculously I would be able to see because I think through like stereotypes, through stigmas, through how the media views blindness and how other people view blindness and disability, it kind of made me feel like I don't want to be like this. I don't want to, you know, have this thing that makes me be so different. And that makes, uh, I guess at the time, me thinking that life is going to be super hard and challenging and difficult and that I'm not going to be able to do the things that I really want to do in my life. Uh, but it took me going through all of these different things and all of these different experience through like high school and college. Um, and then there was this like particular moment um, where my uh, disability uh, case manager uh, up at Wright State had this conversation uh, with me because I always spent my time trying to overcome my blindness, mm. uh, uh, overcome these different challenges and uh, hurdles that I had. And I was just telling her this. And she, she kind of stopped and was, looked at me and said, like, you know, Jonathan, I, I think instead of trying to overcome your disability, your blindness, I think you need to start embracing it. Mm. And I think that is going to help you uh, feel, feel better about yourself, accept yourself a whole lot more and uh, uh, be able to things, do the things that you, 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 you want to do. And that from that moment on, that that changed that changed me. That that made me view myself in a different way. Because like when you have this this overcome mind mind state, it uh, automatically uh, makes you think that something's wrong with you. Yeah. So when you have when you have that, and when you're thinking that way, um, you could always have the best intentions when you're you know trying to do something. But in the back of your back of your head, like there's always this thing that that you think that there's something wrong with you, um, and there there isn't anything wrong with anyone that has a disability. Um, so me embracing my blindness, okay, this is a this is a different type of thing. Uh, I'm able to view myself in a better light. I'm not broken. I'm not messed up. I'm not less than. I'm um, I'm good enough. Come in the, on. In the past, like <laughs> I was, I was always thought that I wasn't good enough. So I know now that I am, uh, and it, it it's there's a lot of people that has have helped me on my disability journey. But I really attribute where I am today to my uh, my my disability case manager mm. for telling that to me, and I just I appreciate that that moment so much. Um, so now I know that. I can do whatever whatever I, I want to do. It's gonna take more time and effort for me to to do those things, um, just because of you know my disability. You know, it takes me longer to 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 read. Takes me longer to do my work. So there's always gonna be these things that are gonna. There's always things that I'm gonna have to to do to be at the same level as my peers or, you know, try to be above my peers. So I'm going to have to, you know, work harder. Um, but my blindness doesn't stop me. I'm able to, you know, move forward. I'm able to to be in grad school. I'm able to do whatever I want. Um, I'm able to, you know, write, write, write books and stories and songs and plays and, and do all that type of stuff. And, you know, uh, some people may have this perception that, 
because I'm blind, I can't do this. Because I'm blind, I can't be independent. Because I'm blind, I got to live at home with my mom for the rest of my life. Um, but no, nah, I can I can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I want to, you know, show people uh, with my life uh, and also through like my, the writings that I do. I want to show uh, people that blindness or a disability isn't limiting, that it's just a, it's a facet of my life and that I do love it and I wouldn't change it now. And that it's a part of me. If you, you know, took it away, you would be taking away a part of myself um and I, I wouldn't do that and i wouldn't change that so that's that's something that i want to show people that is so awesome i got chills <laughs> what i love a few things uh loved everything you said a couple of things that really stood out to me was it was limiting to you when you believe that it was something that was wrong with you yeah I also kind of read into this and helped me understand if I was wrong. Now you understand that it is a part of you. Yes. Do you think before you thought it was all of you or more of you than you believe that it is now? So I think before I thought it was like it was all of me. I was just mm-hmm. I'm this, you know, I got made fun of as a as a, a middle schooler and a high school, you mm-hmm. know, like blind kid, heard a bunch of blind jokes and all that type of stuff. So because of that, like I just always thought that, you know, being blind or well, being black and blind, that, that's that's all of me. There's uh, and, and now I understand that there's there's multiple facets to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a reader. I'm a writer. I'm a son. I'm a brother. Uh, I'm a I'm a nephew. I'm a scholar. I'm a creator. I'm a writer mm-hmm. and I'm blind. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple different things. Uh, now me being blind is like a, probably a big part of my life and it's shaped who I am, but it's not, uh, I'm not all of being blind. Isn't all of me. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I'm able to, to view myself in a, in these different, these different areas. Um, and it's just, Something that, that, that has helped me uh, see that people are more than just the, 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 the first thing that you notice about them. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of times, you know, black people, first thing you see is, black, you know, their blackness. Mm-hmm. With someone with a visible disability, that's the first thing you see about them. But in reality, there, there's multiple aspects to that person. And you have to, like, understand that when you're just interacting with people. And uh, that that's, you know, something that, I, you know, I also want to show as well. Absolutely. Again, another part of your story, just like we talked about with your youth pastor, is you had an external support. Yeah. Someone who came and said, hey, <laughs> you know, this is how you have been looking at it. Mm, I wonder what would happen if you looked at it this way. Yeah. yeah. And the importance of being someone in a person's life that can help them sometimes look at something in a different way. I think growing up, you were able or you saw yourself as blind first and foremost and mostly because that's how other people saw you. Now growing up, so I talk about this when I talk about developmental and relational trauma. Growing up, especially from think in utero to five years old, Everything is pretty much full on downloaded into a child's brain. Their brain is making trillions of neuronal networks 
not just based on things they're having direct contact with, but things that are happening around them. This is why a child in those young ages can learn multiple languages. Okay. You don't have to okay. sit down and teach the child the language. The child is absorbing mm-hmm. the language. They can learn to play instruments. They can do all of these things because it's literally like a full on download into that child's brain mm-hmm. versus as an adult learner, learning is a little more intentional and more difficult and filtered and all of that stuff. So, how a person comes to largely know who they are is based a lot on those first five years of life. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is core issue one through developmental and relational trauma therapy, we talk about value and how a person comes to value themselves based on who they are told they are and what they are. And a person who does not grow up explicitly and implicitly learning that they have value simply because they exist instead learn to base their value on other things and what i love is that even though that happens to us in our childhood even in your adulthood in college there was a person who came to you and helped you see that you had value period yes yes that's it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's it Not you have value because you've succeeded and did all this (laughs) while being blind. You know, you overcame, you know, like you didn't need a hype speech. Yeah. You just knew you had value. And I think that is so powerful and so amazing. And I can't imagine like as you were talking and then you said it and that's why i was like mm-hmm. you know you're talking about being blind i'm like he a black man yeah. <laughs> <And he blind. laughs> Woo, okay yeah. you know we talk about that but i i'm glad that you named that because it's real out here yeah. and i think as people are listening what i was hoping for people to hear is how do i embrace who i am And that doesn't mean that we have to like everything that we are. Maybe there are some active changes we want to make. But first, how do we sit in a position of acknowledgement of this is who I am and and here are the many, you know, facets of me. So I, I just genuinely appreciate that. I think I have gone on to and then from being in family with you in connection with you, I've gone on to do some work in in areas of disability through my work. And I've had some intersection with that. Yeah. And being able to now know that someone I very much care for and love has been treated in a particular way. And I feel impacted by that. Mm -hmm. It gives Mm -hmm. me, you know, I think a different stance as an advocate. Yeah. To be able to realize that this person has value Mm -hmm. simply because they exist. And then How do we move past, like you said, those outward signs and move towards who are you as a person? What are your likes and dislikes, your preferences? What are your gifts? How do you show up in the world and how can I connect with that? So I absolutely love that. Um, When you were going through middle school and high school and you were having these challenging social times, Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that helped you move through that process? Hmm. Uh, Oh, gosh. I would definitely say play music. Music definitely helped me through that through that whole process. And I would also say uh, football and wrestling. So even though like, especially with wrestling, that's those are some of the places where I was receiving a lot of this 
um, I wouldn't say hate, but like uh, where I was being made fun of and, you know, hearing all these negative things uh, about me. Um, so through the, the, through like physicality, I was able to um, kind of express how I was feeling. I was super aggressive in, in football. And I, I know I definitely uh, would uh, think of certain people while I was practicing and, 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 and uh, playing games. Uh, and I was kind of thinking of these people that were, you know, said these things about me and then taking it out on my opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the music, uh, I listened to a lot of uh, Lupe Fiasco. Mm. So especially his first album, Food and Liquor. So that that album had this tremendous effect on me. Um, and it, it I would I would I would be you know upset and angry. Um, and, and listening to Lupe was able to to calm me down. Uh, from, you know, the, hearing all these different things that, you know, people were saying about me, you know, dealing with, you know, my mom at the time as well. You know, that stuff, the, listening to Lupe was able to calm me down for for some reason. I don't, it could have been like his voice or it could have been just all the storytelling that was involved in, you know, his, his, his album. But uh, listening to that album helped me out uh, a lot. And then also, you know, other artists as well. But I would I would definitely say that that music and and, and um, football and wrestling and also God uh, you know helped me out as well because uh, for a long time you know as I previously said I hated myself didn't love myself didn't love you know who I was what I was or what other people thought of me um, and I think through my youth pastor again he said you know you know God loves you and you were you know perfect. Uh, God created you, you know, perfect, and you know God loves you. So I was like, okay. So now, okay, God, God loves me. I I should feel more, you know, uh, content about myself. And that definitely that was more of my my freshman sophomore year of high school, mm-hmm. where I was told these things, and that helped me move forward and not be stuck in this like negative place and have this negative negative mindset. So it was able to to help me can continue on and move forward. Uh, because I've, I've learned um, if I would have stayed in that that mindset in that place, uh, I would not be where I am today. I would be in a totally different place. So I think music, football and wrestling and God helped me um, kind of get out of those places and get out of uh, that 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 mind that mind state. Thank you. Now that's awesome. And, you know, so I I appreciate you being able to kind of share that story and the vulnerable nature of, you know, what that was like for you. Um, I always like to ask my guests to share with our audience um, something else. Like, so we've heard about a lot about Jonathan in this time that we've been together, but what might be a little known fact or an interesting fact about yourself um, that people don't know? So, interesting fact, uh, back in 2018, uh, I read 100 books in a year. Mm. So, uh, I'm, I'm a big reader. Um, it kind of comes with the territory of being uh, a writer. So, uh, during my, my spring semester of, um, of that year, I read like 20 books, which was like, 
not too bad for me. Um, but like for most people, that's like a lot of books. That's a whole lot of books. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how not a reader I anyway. Yeah, yeah that's uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, that summer, I was taking uh, an anatomy class, and I I, I don't really care for science. Um, so in that in that time, I decided to read a whole bunch of books to compensate for me, you know, taking this mm-hmm. uh, anatomy class. So I read like forty books um, that summer. Um, so I was just constantly reading. I was inhaling, consuming mm. uh, books. Um, also, there, there there goes back to like me wanting to escape mm. uh, my reality, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the past, but also doing the same thing uh, and during that time. And then uh, that fall semester, I read like 28 books um, while doing a whole bunch of other classwork and field experiences for my, my degree. And then over winter break, I read 10 books. So I, I love reading. And I think that that it was a reading 100 books in a year was always a, a goal of mine and something that I wanted to do. Um, and I really wasn't expecting to, to do it in that year. It just kind of worked out that I had read so many books over the summer mm-hmm. that uh, I just wanted to, you know, see if I could do it. And it turns out, you know, I was able to. But, yeah, it's it's something that I find to be amazing. And I may or may not do it again <laughs> in the future. Well, it is an interesting fact. And you kind of threw out that bone of escapism. But that's yeah. for another episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, Jonathan, I genuinely appreciate you being here and sharing your story, your words of wisdom uh, with our audience. If someone wanted to find you, reach out to you, you've been inspiring or otherwise connect with you, how might a person do that? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at IncredibleJIT. All right. At Incredible J-I-T. So thank you so much to all the listeners who tuned in today. Really hoping that you were as inspired by Jonathan as I am on a regular basis. As always, don't forget that if you want to reach out to me, find more about Labors of Love or have suggestions for topics or guests on the podcast, you can also reach out to me on the website, www.thelaborsoflove.com. We are on all the major social media outlets. Don't forget our YouTube channel, the Labors of Love YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, give us a five-star rating for the podcast. Um, and we will continue to have amazing guests sharing their labors of love. Until we're able to connect again, be well. <laughs>